This is the Finding Strong Podcast. Push your limits, win the day, find your strong. Here's another episode. Welcome to the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Gates, sitting here with Coach Mark Bottenhorn. Hello. And back on the pod, Michael Benvenuto. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Took a little hiatus. (laughs) Yeah, I had to take some time off. You guys furloughed me on the podcast (laughs) during COVID. We didn't didn't have the appropriate funds set aside due to the COVID-19 crisis. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't even have that for, you know, for us. So. Uh, Mark's, Mark, Mark has a, a crushing race. Uh, you know, that's the third fastest time in a six-hour, 44 miles. That gets me back on the pod because we got to talk about that. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, dive into that and uh, all the things that went well and all the things that, um, that didn't go so well. For sure. So that's what we're. Yeah. And I think sharing that experience is, you know, always good, you know, for people who haven't done those kinds of races before or maybe are hesitant to to try one. You know, there certainly are a lot of things you learn after the first time you do one. Yeah. And if you're hesitant to try one, I recommend that you don't try one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I can talk them out of it that easy, then then they probably don't want it anyway, right? So it's a screening process. So. So, so take us back that weekend, Mark. Like, just tell the listeners what it was like. You were getting back up into Michigan. You're with your wife, your little girl. No, no, no. Race, I was six hour race. I was there solo um, for the for about. You were there solo. Yeah, for for a week prior to the prior to the race, I was just with Pat and Dan. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I think first the first thing I would like to say is um, there were a few other athletes that I that I coached that raced at the race um, in the six hour race. Um, I think we'll start with the female overall winner. Uh, so Alexa, I coach her. She ran thirty one miles, which puts her like in the top fifty for, for for performances in that in North America so far this year. Wow! Um, wow! So that's a good debut debut for her she got 31 uh, kind of grueling miles right behind her was um brett and he put in i believe 30 and then right behind him was kyle and correct me if i'm wrong but i think kyle ran 29 interesting thing about kyle is he he set more than a two-hour marathon pr and route to running 29 miles wow. um, and then so that's all in the six-hour race and then if we go over to the 24-hour race uh i coach ryan olson who's uh tremendous ultra runner in his own right he um he had a really tough time as did everybody with the heat the humidity uh his race started at noon the previous day too so it was uh during a really tough period he ended up running uh, 100 miles so uh it's pretty impressive showing nonetheless it wasn't in 24 hours he checked out well before 24 hours but he got 100 miles in and called it a day (laughs) that's incredible that's absolutely incredible 
Yeah, so good work uh, by the team overall. And, and in my opinion, that overshadows uh, the work that I did because I think that they put in a tremendous effort and it was really exciting to see them overcome some uh, physical and mental barriers that they had prior to this and really just to have just like an out-and-out out great performance. Um, and much like me, it was a learning process for them too. But uh, overall, I think they handled it really well. And I think uh, Lexa was extremely resilient and just really tough and she she's got a lot of potential yeah man she uh she's kept going and i feel i felt like that she hit like a she like just kept going at the end she like hit a second spurt and just like just took off and she kept going even faster it was crazy yeah yeah she did really well we had um two minutes left to get the final to get the final lap in and uh you know she was not she was not far ahead of me and i think she split like uh like right around seven minute pace for the last uh for the last quarter mile wow. like yeah. 30 That's 31 incredible. miles into it yeah i actually closed that last quarter at 608 pace <laughs> so i had some more in the tank <laughs> that's really hard to believe that that after uh uh what was it 44 official yeah, it was 44, so it was just 1.05 miles off the best the best uh, distance in North America so far this year. Yeah, incredible. Which incredible. Re- which really so you were so you were Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say so you were there training a little bit the week leading up with Dan and Pat. I, I would hardly some runs in together. I would hardly call it training. Um, <laughs> played Mario Kart. Um, I did a lot of TV watching while Dan was working. Um, mm-hmm. uh, listen to a lot of music. I didn't do a whole lot of running. Uh, I mean, obviously, cause I was, um, really deep into that taper at that point. I was only running like 45 minutes a day. So it was, it was kind of foreign. Like Dan and I were getting out the door at about 6am and so it means we'd be back before 7am. And I was like, ah, what am I going to do now? And Dan had to work till four. So I was just sitting there like staring, staring at the ceiling. Uh, or, or like, wow. So do you, do you, do you think that that rest, that like intense level of rest for that week leading up to the race paid off? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I thought that I was a little bit aggressive on the taper, but that would have been in the second week of the taper. Not so much in that week. That week was pretty much how I was supposed to go. I mean, I think that does help. It's, it's shown to have, a, you know, in, in multiple studies, it's shown to have, at least at the marathon distance, um, a pretty significant, you know, three or 4% improvement on your overall time. So I figure if you take that and double that, I mean, that's significant improvement. So, yeah, I think, I think that it, it was really important. I mean, um, it's just hard for me mentally because I went from, from training about 80 miles a week on average to, and, and a bunch of strength training sessions to doing no strength training whatsoever, uh, training 45 to 30 to 45 minutes a day. And, and just like very few responsibilities besides coaching. Uh, so it was, it was almost like empty in a way mentally, uh, physically it was probably good, but mentally it wasn't great for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always hard to, when you're always constantly doing something, especially when you dedicate your life to like training and then, want to do a strength training and then just end up sitting there for most of the day that sucks yeah i mean uh, i'm like so tv'd out that i couldn't bear to turn on my tv um when i got home like it was just you know I, dan had to work and in between conference calls he and i just like into music or did whatever we normally do and ate lunch and that's another thing it's like i kind of got a little bit loose with the eating um i probably had jimmy john's um three times in the last decade 
prior to going to Michigan, and then and then I had Jimmy John's three times in one week. So <laughs> I Jimmy John's loaded, um, which isn't my typical nutrition. I had fun though. I mean, I got to cut loose and had some had some fun, and you know, had some fun after the race too. Oh yeah, nice. So so take us to like the day of the race. You got there early in the morning. Um, you had uh, Pat was your early morning crew. Dan and Pat, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, Pat. The thing about the thing about Pat is he did a great job. Um, the issue is is that we we probably didn't leave early enough in the morning. So I was not prepared when the race started. I was scrambling around. Um, luckily, I didn't have any stomach issues like I normally do before races. Thank God. So mm-hmm. that helped. But like I, I admittedly, I think that we left just a little later than than I wanted to. And it didn't help that the road was one of the roads was closed too. But like we should leave earlier and be better prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was hard leaving at like five a.m. Yeah, I mean, we should have probably we we planned on leaving at four forty five. We left at five. We should have probably left at four forty five, and that would have probably solved yeah. the issue. Not so much worried about or concerned about a warm up, but more concerned about like my mental focus kind of going into the race. Um, and then yeah. in this race, I consumed less caffeine than is typical prior to a race normally for me. Uh, and I think that that, mm-hmm. that had some positive uh, issues with my stomach uh, for sure. Um, so that might be a strategy I use going forward uh, since my, my stomach's a little touchy on race day, as uh, I think it happens with a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. And and now you were set up on like a, a track. So like did you guys set up a little area with some chairs and some shade and a cooler or something, or was it not as uh, formal as that? The oh, shade no, negative. No shade, yeah, no shade. <laughs> No shade. Might as well fucking sat on the sun, bro. It, well, that's that's exactly what it was. The absence of shade would indicate sun, um, and that's what it was. Um, we had lawn chairs, um, and we had okay, okay. We had a cooler with no ice in it, so it was it was more of a holding device for for our stuff. It was more storage. Um, uh huh. I think. Uh, overall, everything everything was fine. This is the most prepared I've ever been for a race, still. Mm-hmm. So, and you had told me you said you started out with one particular pair of shoes, and then you switched. Yeah, I at used some a, point during the race too. Yeah, I used a I used a prototype New Balance shoe uh, that has a carbon fiber plate in it. It's designed for the marathon distance, probably really good up to fifty k. Um, so that was that was really cool. Uh, the issue was it was starting to beat my feet up pretty significantly. Uh, because the, the, the cement track was, was unforgiving. Um, and it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I had trained for or anticipated because the race was supposed to be on a, on a, on a normal track. So, um, I changed my shoes into my ten eighties about, about two and a half hours in, I changed them at about just, no, not two and a half hours, but I changed it about 20 miles. Yeah. And you, and you said you learned a lesson on the shoe exchange. Yeah. Well, well, I had, you know, when you have an amateur crew member like Patrick who, who, who worked his heart out, I ran by and I said, hey, you know, I'm running about just faster than seven-minute pace, so I got a minute and 40 seconds per quarter mile. I said, hey, Patrick, I'm going to need my shoes when I come by. And he said, okay. No, you told and, Dan that. You told Dan okay. that. Okay, well, fault. either way, either way, amateurs. So I come around, and they got the shoes waiting for me, and the fuckers are still tied. Double knotted. <laughs> Well, that's your that's, that's your fault. That's one. not that's not my fault. I mean, <laughs> come on, Pat. That's a crude job, <laughs> dude. It takes 
it takes nothing more than common sense to say, well, these are double knotted and these are going to be challenging when he sits well, down. Well, I mean, number one, it's Dan's fault. Number two, you just took your shoes off without untying them first. So ultimately, you're an idiot. No. Wow. That's not, you, <laughs> wow. At one point, one of you guys had the shoe in your hand. You looked at it and you said, well, this is acceptable. Don't matter how I left them out. Take some accountability. <laughs> you guys need to take ownership. Well, first of all, yeah. first of all, it's Dan's fault. So, and so I'm trying to jam this, I'm trying to jam this shoe on. It's not working, and I got the sun pounding down on me. And I just, and I just held, I held all that in, and I said, "That's okay. They, yeah, they're here. <laughs> these these guys are here they, to help me, and they came all the way here for me. The least I can do is is be kind. And I didn't Gordon, I didn't Gordon Ramsay them. I just, I, I just moved on. So, so the lesson there probably either make sure you untie those shoes before you uh, put them in your bag, or maybe what get a pair of lock laces. <laughs> no, that could be a good I'll, solution to that problem. I'll never use lock laces. Maybe, maybe when I'm 95 and I can't physically tie my shoe and I'm going for like a Masters World Record, I'll use lock laces. But not right now. I think that it's a it's a two way street because you know I you know I wear lock laces. So thanks for calling me a 90 yeah. year old man. Who can't you're getting, my shoelaces. You're getting there. And <laughs> and so way to be preemptive on that. And I think it's a two-way street. Uh, one one I acknowledge that I should have I should have untied my shoes. But like I said, I'm not very prepared. I've never been very prepared about anything in my life. And number two, I think that Patrick should have saw that as a crew chief and, and stepped in. So it's a it's a two-way street. We're both responsible. I, I guess, yeah. but it's Dan's fault. Oh my! <laughs> Unbelievable! I can't. I can't. Dan's not even here to defend himself. No. Unbelievable! Poor Dan. I, we'll get Dan. I, I didn't we'll even, get Dan on next week. I didn't even look at this. So, year, so, 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 Mark, uh, t- like, there's always that point in a race. I know for me, when I feel like I've settled into my pace and the miles or the laps are just ticking off. At what point did that happen for you in this race? Uh, well, they were ticking pretty good at first, and um, I, I was running about six forty pace, and I said, man. I can do this all day, you know? And then I looked at my watch and I'm like, Oh, I've been running six forty pace for two hours. And then wow. the wheels started to fall off a little bit, uh, because I realized that I was only like two and a half hours into the race. Um, and mm-hmm. the heat, you know, the, at 6am, it wasn't too bad. It was like in the low seventies. Uh, but it was really, really humid. There was fog on the tracks. It was so humid. And, um, Oof. I think somewhere, right around the three hour mark is where I had my first bit of adversity during the race. And I was having trouble with all the left turns, my hip and my, my hip and my groin were starting to really hurt and get really tight. And it started radiating into my glute at one point. Um, Mm. So when we switched sides, it was, it was much needed, but um, I don't know. It could have been, if it would have came a little bit earlier, it would have been great, but we switched at the three hour mark. um, And by then the damage was kind of done to my hip and my glute. Yeah. You know, but I, so you felt like after after the three, you know, after about two, two and a half hours is when you kind of noticed what was going on. And uh, you had that three hour flip, but we're still feeling some pain. So it's kind of like uh, into the old pain cave for the second half. Yeah, that's correct. I was I was doing a bit of limping. I think Pat it was pre- probably pretty visible at one point midway through the race. I was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, overall, to summarize the whole thing, and, I don't, and I'll get more into detail, but I don't, I don't think that this was one of my best performances uh, in racing as it was, and some of it's because it was the first week of July in Michigan where it's hot and humid, um, and it was on a track, and it was, you know, there's no shade coverage whatsoever, um, 
And you and you had said that the guys who were one and two on the uh, six hour list ran their races in like January and February, correct? That's correct. Yeah, the top really the the almost the whole top ten did. So, uh, wow. you know, I think I I don't want to say what could happen or whatever. That's fine. Um, I don't really know. Uh, and then it's also important to remember that like this is probably the, this is the third best time to date in North America this year, but it's been a little bit of a down year in racing because of COVID. So. There's still been a lot of performances in this in this uh, duration because it's easy to social distance during these races, but you know I'd be, I think it would be short sighted of me not to acknowledge that. But either way, right now I'm sitting in third, so I will take that. Um, any year this this amount of miles would pretty much fall in the top top eight to top 10, no matter what for the whole year. So it was a good performance mm-hmm. in retrospect. Um, but like it wasn't, I would, it, I didn't do my best. So why, why, why do you say that? Uh, I just, I, I know I could perform better. Um, I think, like I said, the, the heat and things like that uh, came into it. And then another, yeah. another thing that came into it is, um, is just some, some stuff like leading up to the race that probably didn't go well, that I wasn't very open about because, you know, I had just been getting shit on and let's run. So I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want anybody to perceive anything as excuses, but I had, I ran into a few issues that I didn't talk about just because I didn't want people to think I was making excuses. So I'll first start by saying, I'm really happy with the race performance, uh, especially my first time at the distance where I had a lot to learn uh, Two, It was, it was very hot. Um, if I went and ran the same race in the same heat uh, this week, I think I could do better just because of what I learned and what I picked up from, racing at this duration for the first time in my mm-hmm. life. Um, but yeah. When and I, the surface too, you said that that concrete track, I mean, if that was a regular track or even asphalt, that would have maybe been a little bit more forgiving. Yeah. I would have, I would have got a little bit more rebound too. It'd been a little bit softer, been a little bit faster of a surface. Um, this, this track was also long as well, uh, which was accounted for in the distance. So the distance was accurate, but the track was long. It wasn't a traditional 400 meter track. It was longer. Um, which is typical with cement tracks sometimes. Um, they're not as uniform. But but leading up to the race, I um, obviously went to New Mexico there uh, with you, Michael, and uh, ventured into the mountains of Northern California, Arizona, and the desert. Um, and I think that I probably put that a little bit too close to my race. I was able to stay on track and train really well still. Um, like basically the, the two weeks I was gone were like a 70 and an 80 mile week. So they were just fine, especially when you count account for all the vert that I ran the 70 mile week. Um, but the lack of rest was, was tough. And then I made a, I made a mistake. So I have been taking, um, an antidepressant medication to help with anxiety. And, um, I stopped taking it when I was on the trip. And, uh, when I did that, I started having some withdrawal symptoms, um, about the time I arrived home and, uh, I, I got pretty sick, like almost like flu, like symptoms from withdrawal, which is pretty normal. Um, but I got a really bad amount of anxiety and depression and it, and it made it, it made it tough to kind of train at the same, uh, capacity. And then not to mention I had run a hundred straight days, uh, an average about 11 miles a day over that period of time without any rest and the kind of heat of Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and things like that. And, um, all that was starting to wear at me and it kind of came to a boiling point. So when I got home, I, I was still able to train through it and, and I'd been there before. So I knew that everything was okay, but it still took a little bit of a toll on me. And the, the, the illness as a result of, uh, the medication was, was probably my biggest setback, but I didn't feel at that point that it was important to disclose it, uh, publicly is, you know, I try to be really transparent, but I was kind of rattled by, uh, 
some of those uh, fuck boys on the Let's Run message board. So I just decided to keep it kind of kind of private. But that was something that I was dealing with, and it was an wow. obstacle that I had to overcome uh, leading up to the race uh, for sure. I mean, not a, not a huge deal or anything, wow. and it didn't it didn't ultimately affect me too much. But it was something I had to to overcome in a way. Yeah, it's absolutely a contributing factor. And uh, Mark, appreciate you sharing that with us, and you know, trusting us and the listeners to you know hear more about you know what goes into uh, the life of Mark Bottenhorn. It's not just all five fifty easy run pace, you know. <laughs> There are, no, there are bumps no. along the way. There's stuff that happens for everybody in their lives. And uh, for you to share that stuff, that's really big and uh, very, very cool share. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I just I wanted to be transparent with it after the fact, but I didn't want to rattle myself or jinx myself or talk about it too much or let it get in my head. I didn't want to give it too much of a voice. You know, uh, at that period of time, I wanted to mm-hmm. say, hey, this is fine. I've been here before. I can I can accomplish this. I'll get back on the medication. Um, you know, a few other a few other things. So I just wanted to kind of not accept it as, as being real in that moment. And I think that might've helped me, sh- you know, kind of shorten the duration of, of my issues there with it. Mm-hmm. Was there a particular reason that you went off the medication? Yeah. Like, was it a, a decision that you made for any particular reason? No, or? no, it, it wasn't so much of a decision. I, um, I don't know. I just intentionally, I didn't intentionally do it, but I just stopped taking it while I was on the trip. It was, it's normally part of my routine because I keep it in my kitchen. So I take it with my first meal of the day. But like when I was at your house or, or when I was at Molly's house or wherever I was, I just it didn't have that routine. And it just sat away in my bag and I didn't think about it at all. So I went off of it for 10 days and it made me kind of nauseous. Um, and I didn't – so I didn't know why I was – I told you I was dizzy at your house uh, the second time when I was on the way back. Yeah. And so when I was at your house, yep. I was super dizzy and I was like, is it the altitude? Like why, why am I feeling yeah. this way? Oh, yeah. I remember, yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah, we thought it was just the altitude and the heat yeah. and the sun. Cause you were, you were doing laps in my neighborhood every day and it's a good uphill, pretty sandy, tough to get your footing. And yeah. you were doing loop after loop. So that's, we just thought it was that. Yeah. I thought I was just, that makes maybe a little more sense. I thought I was sleep deprived. I had too much caffeine and I thought that I was just, um, just the, having the effects of being at altitude. Like I was in your pool and I was like, ah, oh, I just feel not like dizzy and nauseous, but like when running, I had no issue. So I didn't know what it was. And then I got home and I was still feeling sick and I realized I didn't take my medication. And then uh, I started putting all the stuff together and, uh, per, uh, my strength and conditioning coach is, uh, she's a she's an rn and she kind of works with patients who have these issues as well um and she was like oh i think you're have you been taking your medicine i said no and she said oh you're just i think you're having withdrawal issues see your medication and then i realized and got back on it within a few days i was fine so no excuse but it's just it was just another layer of things i had to navigate but it it ultimately probably didn't have too much of an effect on me because it was far enough away but it was certainly present Mm -hmm. you know there was as is this is the best 16 weeks of training of my entire life um, I've never, never, um, n- never trained this, this well, and the, everything was going great, but there, there are still like going to be hiccups in any training cycle. And, and I think, you know, while we're here to recap the race, I think it's important to talk about that because the race is only just the tip of the iceberg, you know, like the race was successful, but oh, it was, yeah. but that was just like, that was successful because it's a byproduct of everything that I did and put into it you know, and all my friends, family, supporters, all that and stuff put into it uh, leading up to it. So I think the yeah. process is more important. I'm, I'm happy to recap that too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when we were running together in New Mexico, you looked fit, man. Your stride looked easy. You were just, you were grooving. Yeah. I, it was exciting to see you uh, kind of at that peak level. 
Yeah, I, it was very impressive. I felt I felt fit. I think the only time I had a little bit of trouble is when you and I were on that trail run um, before we got those breakfast burritos, and I didn't have yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have that much trouble, but we were exposed just in the sun out there and the uh, wherever that was. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just to describe, yeah, we were at a place uh, out in the middle of New Mexico called White Ridge, and it it really is just a giant spine that goes up about 2000 feet and you just run down the spine for five miles right on the, right on the edge. Um, yeah. So we, we ran that whole spine back down and then ran through the desert yeah. to get back to our car. But <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful, just uh, incredible place to run. Um, but I was, I was really feeling the effects of that uh, medication withdrawals at that point. Um, and I mean, the the run was was good enough and we got through it but that was the first time i realized that's that maybe something was was off and i didn't know i was going to get a blood test I, I i was like am i am i like anemic or something i had no clue what was happening yeah. how uh, how long ago was that the medication thing or the new mexico well oh, i guess both right yeah. uh so that was when was that michael the the middle of june 3 weeks ago yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 3 4 weeks ago something like that yeah yeah, middle of June. Yeah. So it was a lot to it was a lot to kind of turn around, and then, um, frankly, I'd been getting a little bit of a little bit burnt out, um, just because, like I said, I'd I'd averaged, you know, eleven miles a day for over a hundred days, running a thousand miles, basically over a thousand miles, and almost eleven hundred miles in in a hundred days with no rest. Um, I love the process of training. I love everything about it. I love getting better every day. And then you hit this point within two weeks of the race where we say the hay is in the barn, so to speak. And there, there isn't that getting better anymore. It's kind of just maybe getting sharper so I can look at it that way and maybe frame yeah. it that way from now on. Um, but I feel like I'm not getting fitness and that's what I really love to do. So I get the kind of blues before I race. Like a lot of people get blues after they race. Uh, I get the opposite. Um, and I'm already thinking about the next race and I've tried to stop myself from doing that. And my strength coach says, you know, she said, you got to finish what you started here. Just finish what you started strong and we'll worry about the other stuff after. So I kind of had that mm -hmm. mantra going to my head, finish what I started, finish what I started. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, that all came to fruition during the race. And I said it several times, I got to finish what I started. There was, there was effectively, the race was fairly non-competitive, right? I mean, we had a lot of people, uh, not racing due to COVID, uh, maybe didn't want to travel across the country or whatever it was. And the race was relatively small because mm -hmm. they had to fit in our social distancing caps. Um, so I, I never felt any threat, obviously, or anything like that of like not winning the race. Um, well, you, you had also said it was weird because like in a normal race, you can, it's a linear path. So you can see the leader or see the pack behind you when you're going around a, a track, you've got no idea how far the guy is behind you in second. You know, you don't know if he's one lap behind or 20 laps behind. Yeah, but I mean, the person who was in second place, I, at one point we're talking about where they're at. And I said, where are you at? And he's, they said, um, I'm at 12 miles. Where are you? And I said, 19 and a half. You know, so like Ooh. at that rate, like at the rate I was going to try to hit that 50 miles in six hours. I mean, I knew that. So it, it's, it can be easy for you to just kind of shut off and say, well, I'm in pain. I'm battling the heat. It looks like 50 miles is out of reach today, not in general, but it, out of reach today. So like, why don't I just preserve my body? But, um, you know, that, that mantra came back into my head, finish what I started, finish what I started. And then I had a really strong second wind about four hours in and I had a really, really solid two hours. 
um, to, to close wow. out the race. I mean, I think, you know, I was splitting like really low seven minute miles again, you know, at, at some points there. And, um, I made some mistakes during the race that ultimately cost me maybe not having the top performance in North America, but I know mm-hmm. what those are and I can grow from them. Did you, now, now again, because it wasn't really, you know, super competitive for you, did it almost start to feel just like a really long training race or did you feel like you were in a race and that you were trying to hit just as many miles as you could get before this, uh, clock expired well initially i i'd conceded in my head for about 40 minutes that i wasn't going to get what i wanted to so what was the point um and then i remember pat you know kind of jumped in for a lap and Brittany did as well and i said you know this funny part is i could stop right now and this would still be a top 10 time in north america and they said but you don't Mm -hmm. want to do that you know there was like still an hour left and i was like that's true i don't want to do that like, why was I even thinking that? So a moment of weakness creeped in, certainly, but I, uh, but everybody probably has those thoughts. I don't think I was ever going to act on it. And um, I closed really hard. I think I needed, um, by, by my calculations, I needed, to, I needed to run seven and a half miles kind of the last, the last hour or six and a half miles the last hour. So I knew it was pretty comfortable. I ended up running, mm-hmm. I ended up running, you know, eight and a half miles or something the last hour. So it, it felt really good. Yeah, with like with the last like maybe twenty minutes or so, where you just like just start started going all out, pretty much running at a at like what you, how you started. Yeah, yeah. I just it's like I came back to that full circle, and then so I realized that there was a period of time where I was kind of pitying myself and feeling sorry for myself, and in that time I really cost myself maybe one of the top performances in North America, but ultimately I didn't cost myself the ultimate goal of of going to Desert Solstice, so it doesn't really matter. Hmm. Now, Pat, were you, were you like yelling at him in that last, you know, 20 minutes saying like, come on, come on, dig, dig, get one more, one more, one more. Pretty much just because I don't want him to act like a little sissy sometimes, you know. (laughs) No, I thought, you know, like there were times where Dan was early in the race. Dan was like, hey, like, you know, a couple hours in was like, hey, relax your shoulders, relax your shoulders. You know, he he would gently keep reminding me until, until. I actually did it and he did a good job of like not irritating me with it, but being firm in it. Yeah. Which is it, funny. Cause you usually get really irritated with Dan in the races. Oh no, Robert, Robert. <laughs> oh, Robert. Yeah. Well, yeah. Robert's my kryptonite, man. When he fucking talks, dude, <laughs> it's like, I'm just like, go sit in the car, man. <laughs> like he was like joking with me in that one race, 42 miles. I didn't know how close second place was. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. "How far is he?" And Robert's like, "He's two minutes behind you." And Pat's like, "He's like twelve minutes behind you." And I was like, "Fucking which one?" <laughs> <laughs> I was struggling, and Robert was like, "I was just telling you that, trying to joke with you." I was like, "Don't joke right now, dude. I'm 42 miles <laughs> yeah. in this race." <laughs> so like, I was happy. Like as much as I love him, I think Dan and Pat are a better combination for me because Dan Dan takes it serious, and Pat. Um, Pat apparently doesn't do doesn't do much at all. So <laughs> sit there. Oh, we know he, we know he doesn't know how to undo a double knot. But uh, what about in terms of nutrition? What were you doing nutrition wise, hydration wise? Hey, what worked? What didn't there? Yeah, great question. I think everything worked. Um, and I practiced. I so I I set up basically I set up a aid station table outside of my house, and I just did a bunch of loops uh, in the long runs leading up to it. Um, except for these loops I did had a lot more vert uh, intentionally. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically we had most of the specificity there. And then I would, I would practice feeling with these things. So um, I had some, 
I had, you know, Endurlead Sustainably, which is a carbohydrate drink. They're a sponsor of mine, so that's a sponsor plug there. Um, and then I had some, I had some Gatorade diluted in water, uh, which is really helpful for me because I I can't do full Gatorade. I just I'm not built for it. Uh, oh, I just think it's like yeah, it's it's too like tacky and sweet when you drink it. Ugh. It is. So if you dilute it in water, it's good because I'm getting getting more hydration. But I always want to be – so I didn't take in really any water whatsoever. I took in mostly liquid calories because like I like Pat and I talked about strategically before this, it's like I can't – I need to make sure I'm eating early and often in a race. I think a big thing – big mistake that people make is um, when they go into an ultra race, they don't eat until they start to feel hungry or start to feel tired or start to bonk. Um, and I've learned that to be ahead of that and to eat early and often well before I feel like I need it. Um, and that helped me yeah. out. So there was no, there was no occurrence of Mark Bonkenhorn in this race whatsoever. I did not bonk <laughs> at any point, which is a good yeah. feeling. It's a great feeling. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. The, the instructions on the pack on the back of all those packs, you know, they say like take one every 20 to 30 minutes and that's not because they want you to buy more of them. It's because you should be eating yeah. uh, over long dur- You know, you should be consuming some kind of calories. Yeah. Uh, over a long race duration like that. So I didn't take any, I didn't take any gels. I took like applesauce packets, uh, sustain elite, mm-hmm. um, Gatorade. Um, and I got into a little bit of like, I think at one point I ate some pop tarts, uh, but I wasn't nice. in fairness. I wasn't, I love, I won't eat them all because they're shit, but I love brown sugar, uh, cinnamon, brown sugar, <laughs> pop tarts, but man, I was not, oh. Something about it, I was like, "Nah, this ain't not today." It's be a no for me, dog. I went yeah, Randy Jackson on it. We, we we had that we had that long pop tart conversation when you were here in New Mexico, and uh, brown sugar, very underrated flavor. Yeah, because uh, every in, in, in terms of pop everybody gets lost for lies and they go for the s'mores, man, or they go for the fucking ice yeah. ice sprinkle doodad yeah. or whatever Pat likes. And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a s'mores I'm a is s'mores, not breakfast. I'm a s'mores guy. I'm a big s'mores yeah. Guy. He had some Pop-Tarts later, and I was like, dude, what Pop-Tarts are those? Really? Give me one. He's like, sure, man. They're s'mores. I was like, oh, yeah. fuck. No. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an after-dinner Pop-Tart. Oh, dude. That's a, that's a dessert Pop-Tart. Not even. That's a open the trash can and put it in Pop-Tart. Cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon brown sugar is the only way to go. And um, I, like, I like the strawberry ones, but let me tell you something. The frosting's aggressive on them. And I mean, and I mean aggressive in a way that's sharp. It's, yeah. It's like the texture of it. It's like yeah, it's like it's like breaking glass and then you just have like glass shards in your mouth, cutting your your tongue and ripping the roof of your mouth off. That's what that's what it feels like. It feels like you took a you took like a bite of a seashell or something. So I pre- yeah. I much prefer the the smoothness of the cinnamon brown sugar. Um, yeah, but I wasn't either yeah. way. I only ate, I only ate one of those, and I'm usually I could eat about four of them, and I only ate one of them, and I said. Uh, it's going to be enough, enough for me. <laughs> Better not. Yeah. And, and, and what were what were some of the ways you coped with the heat? Were you like dumping water on yourself as you're running? Yeah. Did they have ice to you know drop down your shirt or you know put on uh, your head? So, what, what were you doing? So because of COVID, they didn't have a lot of these things um, like ice and stuff like that. So you had to bring your own. Uh, Pat was pretty clutch in that he refilled my water with cold water. I think that was the the Ooh. MVP move because I didn't expect that and I didn't even think of it. But he refilled my water with cold water. And, uh, I think that went a long way. I was dumping it on my body. I was, I was doing what I could. Um, I tried to use sunglasses. Um, you wore those for a lap. I wore those for a lap and I said, I got to get these off. They were just like, they were just keeping the heat in my eyes. Like a, like I felt like I was in an oven to my eyes. Yeah. Just your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Fake so, so I got those what off. What did you have? Like, did you have those like wrap glasses you wear? Yeah. 
The ones that live. Oh, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, like, he's, like, he's, heat, yeah like he's playing racquetball. <laughs> the local. Rex Specs. It's like James Worthy. <laughs> no, you fuckers. They didn't, I didn't have the cord on the back that wrapped them around. <laughs> no, I didn't have that. They're just, uh, they're just honestly some straight up dope sunglasses and i think there's a lot of jealousy around them but they were fine <laughs> i wore i wore gooders today this morning on my run and i still had the oven in my eyes i just realized that i'm not going to wear them when it's really hot out um so it's not a sunglass type it's just the fact that, sun, that their sunglasses are there um i had sweaty hot eyes like my i feel like my eyes were in a slow cooker today so it might even <laughs> been worse um <laughs> But no, when, yeah. When I, everybody I, I, uh, Instagrams the podcast, hashtag sweaty hot eyes, okay? <laughs> sweaty hot eyes. I don't know, man. It's like, I just, uh, I just, like, I, I feel like I perform well in the heat. Maybe just, it's just something I've always really liked. So the heat bothered me from a performance standpoint, just like it would bother anybody. But like, I didn't, I didn't feel, yeah. I didn't feel that terrible about it. I just kept, kept grinding it. So. Nice. And then how did it feel like that, that clock expires? Had you finished a full lap and just stopped before the clock expired or were you on the track mid lap when the clock expired? No, no, I, I finished, uh, I just finished. So like I said, Alexa was in front of me finishing one of her laps and I heard them say two minutes when she, but she was about 30 seconds ahead of me. So, or not 30, but probably 20 seconds ahead of me. So I knew I had to, I knew I had to kind of close fast. That's why I ran like six Oh five pace the last lap just to get in under the time. So I just barely beat it by like her and I basically finished at the same time. And she ran like just around seven minute pace. Um, so wow. we both beat it by just a few seconds. Wow. And then you, you, you finish, you're done. Do you get right in one of those lawn chairs? Did you walk around a little bit to keep your legs from falling apart? Well, what I, the move post I hammered 50 pushups. <laughs> Is that real? Pat? Yeah, that was real. Yeah. I can, I can, can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did 50 push-ups and then i went and talked to people uh talked you know one of my friend jen was there talked to her talked to a few others and um you know i didn't have any issues my legs felt good i felt like i had more to give i just think that the i i think i ultimately knew in my head and conceded that i wasn't going to get 50 so um ha- happy with 44 i know i'm capable of more um and then we kind of packed up took some pictures uh packed up, drove back to the hotel and, um, took a shower. My legs didn't really hit me at all until midway through the next day, you know? Wow. Really? Yeah. The next day, Dan was like, Hey, you, dude, you want to go for a run? Cause he, he ran the three hour race <laughs> and he only, he ran 20 yeah. miles in the three hour race, just like joking around, you know? And he was like, he won it pretty easily, but he was like, Hey dude, you want to go for a run? I was like, nah, and no he was like, no yeah, he's like, I ran like three miles at like 650 pace. I was like, no, dude, I can't even go down your stairs. And then, then he was like, um, Hey, you want to go kayaking? I'm going for a bike ride? And I was like, fuck Dan. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do any of those things. Like I want to kayak in the 90 degree weather with the sun beating on me. Like, I feel like crap. Uh, so, so one of my big regrets is that I didn't go kayaking with Dan at some point on this trip. Cause I know he really wanted to go. Uh, but I thought it wouldn't be wise to kayak before the race. And then it wasn't particularly wise for me to kayak after the race just because I didn't feel good, you know. Yeah. yeah. And did you do any, like, uh, ice or anything afterwards? I know you said your hip was kind of sore. 
Did you do any do any uh, specific recovery stuff afterwards, or yeah, we walked we walked uh, we walked up and down a sand dune. <laughs> oh, yeah. We went to Tunnel Park in Holland, Michigan, on on Lake Michigan, and we we walked up like a three hundred foot sand dune uh, to get to the beach. <laughs> so yeah. that was fine. That was after the race. I didn't feel that bad. Um, but you know what's kind of weird is I was I was definitely malnourished and dehydrated after the race because we were swimming in the water and the water I felt was pretty warm, especially for a Michigan lake. At, you know, yeah. and it was, and then, you know, I went out of the water to get a ball so we could, we were like all throwing this ball around kind of this deeper part of the water. And then I, uh, I don't know, I went to reach and grab the ball at one point when somebody threw it and I just got the chills and I just got like this feeling of like sick and nauseous. Um, and I was like, Oh huh. dude, this water is like freaking me out. So I left the water, walked on the beach for a little bit, went back in the water, immediately got it again. Like my body just couldn't keep itself warm. And I think I just didn't have enough calories at that point. Uh, so I, I yeah. kind of called it a day and hoped that they were ready too. And, um, you know, it was good. I think, I think the, the race went really well, uh, f- for me, it went really well for the athletes I coach, which for me is people might think this is bull crap, but for me, the, the most exciting part is to see them succeed and to see them, um, just do something amazing. And what they did was amazing you know um and and to watch them do that was tremendous anytime you cover 100 miles in a race like ryan did on a bad day on a bad day he ran 100 miles in like probably less than 20 hours you know or right around 20 hours so yeah you know just seeing that was super impressive and watching him shift gears and get back to running just a few days later while i was still sore you know i still wasn't even running yet and just seeing them overcome and all the stuff that they did on the way to the race and all the training that they put in and them being rewarded for their hard work for me was probably the highlight of the weekend uh, other than just spending time with, with Patrick and Dan and and all of them as well. Uh, So I I think that my race comes in a distant third place to all those things, but it it still went well for me and I'm still really happy. I've uh, raced two ultra races this year and set the course record in, in one of them. And uh, along with Matt Daniel setting the course record in the 22 miler, I set the course record in the 34 miler, 33 miler. Um, it was a great time. So I've had two really good races this year, two for two. I've only raced two ultras. Um, I'd love to, uh, to race again, uh, in the fall, but right now it's just kind of rebuilding. So that's exciting part for me. Nice. Well, congratulations again, Mark. I know you trained, you know, because of COVID you had that really extended training period. Um, yeah, you know, you were working hard the whole time and, and that's not typical. And I know going into COVID, everybody was, you know, we had talked about extra time to train, but, to put your body through that for that long and, and then still get, you know, an incredible result an incredible payoff. I'm just uh, really happy for you and, uh, you know, proud of the effort. Well, thanks, Michael. I mean, we were, we were really peaked to try to run hundred K national championships, um, which was April 18th. So I had to try to find a way to, to like prolong my fitness and not maybe stay at that peak level, but pretty close to it. And if the race were a month earlier, I think I would have been in much, uh, much better shape personally, uh, just because it's really hard to hold on to that for that long, uh, for me at least. And, and, mm-hmm. and for most people, it's not sustainable. So, yeah, I mean, it was a really long, grueling, arduous training cycle. And I really beat myself up physically, uh, beat myself up mentally, didn't do myself any favors by getting off of the medication that had been really effective for me. Um, yeah. And, and I also beat you in horse and 21. So, damn. you know, you were beat up from that too. Yeah. Damn. Okay. <laughs> for, uh, I want to break a few things down really quick on that before I go to the next thing I want to talk about. Um, the horse, 
in fairness, I came back and I just couldn't close out the games. The next day in horse, I came back and swept you. It, That's it was like the Pistons 2004 over over uh, <laughs> over the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you took advantage of my old broken down body that next day. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Waiting, you did beat me. Waiting game. <laughs> uh, one, when we played 21, you brought that thoroughbred kid over from down the street, dude. And I'm <laughs> and I'm playing with the – I can't box these guys out. They're, they're, they're both well over six foot, 30, 40 pounds heavier than me. And uh, they're bragging about beating me in 21. And then they're tipping me. I got zero. They're still tipping me. <laughs> so, uh, like, I think I, in fairness, I think I scored like 110 points in that game because you guys kept kicking me back to 11 and 15 all the time. That's right. Strategic. Like, I boxed Michael out, and then he just grabbed the rebound over my head. <laughs> so, if there were other, if there were other point guards in the, in the in the game, I would have fared better, um, but that's okay. I, know, I mean, it's easy to grab a rebound over you when you're like four foot seven. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, laugh it up, guys. <laughs> no, um, what I what I what I lack in stature, I make up for in heart, dedication, right. absolutely, determination, absolutely. You, you, what you guys are understanding is that I'm a floor general with the ball at my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous vision, great dribble penetration, great ability to dish, but also to drive. Um, you know, really strong, low center of gravity. I'm a real lunch pail guy. First one in the gym, last one out. You know, and that gets taken away when I'm playing when I'm playing 21 with two power forwards. <laughs> it's like if you, it's like Lindsey Hunter playing with Jermaine O'Neal and Shaq. I mean, oh wow. Great Lindsey Hunter reference. Yeah, that's what I most identify with. My Old. favorite player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, journeyman. Okay, so anyway, yeah. So like, let's uh, before before we go, I want to dive into the the real important stuff now. Uh, the race recap was important, but um, I think that one one thing that I I don't know if I want to say learn because I already know it, but I continuously uh, reinforce or or, or or, or prove to be correct is that um, the process for me is so much more rewarding uh, than the outcome of the race itself. And, um, you know, and in any given day, like somebody can show up at a race and, and beat me some uh, random person, or I can show up and just, it all depends on who shows up at the race. Right. Um, but what, what doesn't change and what's kind of invariable is, is, is that the, the work that I put in and I look at the places that I grew uh, during this period of time, and that to me is so much more important than the outcome of the race, which again, I'll stress was, was really cool for me and really fun. Um, but just seeing how far I've come, how much stronger I, I've been um, kind of, kind of battling, you know, for the last 18 weeks, I, I was self-coached. Um, so I do really well at coaching others. Like it's very hard for people to coach themselves. You find, um, and I really was able to kind of execute um, on my own, and I and I've done that for two ultra races now, where I've where I've done really well, um, and it's a lot of fun. But I will be kind of announcing a new coach in the next few weeks, and we'll have him on the podcast here to kind of kind of talk and introduce him. So, awesome! That's exciting. A little bit of a teaser. Yep, yep. <laughs> I don't want to say who it is right now, though, um, but. But uh, I'm stoked to uh, to be working with him, and and no, it's nothing with Matt. Um, I, honestly, I uh, 
will probably end up being coached by Madigan at some point, uh, just cause I love him. Uh, but it's just, I know he's really busy and I don't want to, uh, uh, maybe try something different while he's really, really busy. So we'll see what happens. Cool. Well, we'll, uh, sure. yeah, we'll look forward to that announcement in a couple weeks, man. On the podcast. I think it'd be great for you to be on it, Michael, since you're, you're so journalistic in your nature. Um, Pat will probably talk about his, you know, whatever his bow legs or his fucking kettlebell. <laughs> but you, but you ask real questions, you know, that that pertain to the masses. Hey, I, hey, this you you know, being on the podcast, I love it. It, it scratches that itch for me. I love uh, sports radio and interviews and all that. So it's always fun to jump on and rap with you guys for a bit. Always yeah. appreciate being on. Thank you guys. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, one of the last things I want to say is uh, just I want to say thanks to everybody who has been so supportive over this period of time with the races. And like I said, there was this period of time that I was struggling and everybody was just being their normal selves and being so supportive and uh, like all the the people on Instagram and friends and things like that. And they didn't even know that they were being extra supportive, but I was really struggling through that that period of time. And um, it was really it really uplifted me and really helped me. Uh, so while I was keeping it private, just cause I didn't want to psych myself out before the race, it would, it went a long way. So I'd like to thank everybody for that. And then, uh, the last thing I'd like to do is, um, I would like to thank the, uh, the brands who like kind of support me and make this possible. Um, uh, one of them being Endurolead, obviously, uh, provide me with all my nutrition, all my fuel for races. I am eternally grateful to Matt, the chief endurance officer at Endurolite and everybody else who's been so supportive, uh, prevail botanicals, uh, with Brock cannon, um, who have been so supportive to me and so helpful and, um, provide me with, with all that stuff. And then, uh, and 10,000, the clothing company. Um, so they're a fairly new deal just a few months ago. Um, but, but running for them and being part of their team is, has just been tremendous. Um, anything I need, uh, they have, if I need a photographer somewhere, they'll find one and get them there. Uh, if I need clothes, they'll get them there overnight, whatever it is. Like it's, it's just, uh, tremendous. The, the support that, that I have from that brand and, um, I'm grateful for all of them couldn't do this, uh, without them. So I would normally say, Hey, this is a shameless sponsor plug, but, uh, it's not even shameless today. I'm just very appreciative of all that they do for me. For, for and sure. they ask for effectively nothing in return. So, for sure. So I think that's a it's a good time to wrap up. I also do. I know I keep saying one last thing, but I, I do want to say if you found this podcast in any way uh, helpful, enjoyable, anything like that, please rate us on iTunes. Um, we have 75 star reviews, 70 plus five star reviews. And I, I will say it again. I will say it again. We have this one bozo who rated us <laughs> a one star. And I, and I, and I, and I do think that he probably frequents the let's run message boards. Uh, if I had to suspect it, it, it would definitely be one of those weenies. And what I will say is if you, if you do the, please smash that subscribe button, Give us five stars. Um, don't be don't be a one star uh, weenie, one star weenie who wakes up in the morning, uh, sets his alarm clock to start hating. Don't be that. Don't be that. Anything else you guys want to add? No, man. Got it. No. Yeah. All right. Nice work. All right. Congrats again, Mark. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank everybody. Uh, until next time, stay strong. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. As always, if this episode brought you value, um, please like, share, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, share us on Instagram, tell the world about us. Thanks again, and stay strong.